Hey, Fatheads. Welcome to another episode of Cigar Chat. This is episode 149. That means next week is 150 episodes for us, and that's a lot. Um, we're going to be smoking the Saga Blend Number 7 uh, and drinking a couple of... Uh, I know Dennis has some beers. I've got a beer, a scotch, and a bourbon. Um, so grab your cigar, grab your drink, and come hang out with us. Oh boy. Hey, guys. It's come to my attention that I said Cigar <laughs> Chat. In the intro. Uh, this is, in fact, not Cigar Chat. This is actually sharing our pairings. Um, as I'm sure you gathered from every word I said besides cigar chat. Um, <laughs> so tonight we're smoking the Saga blend number seven. Um, Saga is um, a brand that is own, it's part of the De Los Reyes cigars brand. Um, if you're not familiar with De Los Reyes cigars, I'm not that surprised. They're a fairly small factory for handmade cigars. Um, they do a lot of machine-made business as well. Um, but they... They roll a lot of stuff you've heard of and probably have smoked, um, but their name isn't out there a whole lot, at least not not at the moment. Um, so they they roll, in addition to Saga, they also have their own brands under De Los Reyes. Um, they have a brand called Don Julio. And then the stuff that people are more f- familiar with is uh, the Debonairs and the Indian Motorcycles. Uh, they're in, uh, is it Santiago? Is that the name of the city in Dominican Republic? It is. Yeah. I, like, I suddenly blanked on the name. I always forget it, too. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like every country in Central America has a Santiago. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so I, I always feel like it's wrong. Um, but we're smoking the blend number seven. It comes in a, you can't really tell anymore, but it came in a, uh, like a Salomon Vitola, which I, now that I, I just realized I failed to get the exact details on the size. Um, but I've got some other fun facts. I was talking to Jean-Michel, who's the brand ambassador for Saga and uh, the De Los Reyes company. Um, so I've got some fun facts here. So Saga, like I said, they're kind of, uh, they're under the Dalis Reyes brand. Um, but they're kind of marketed as their own brand, which is interesting. Uh, they've got a couple of really interesting things. We're going to do a, one of their short tails, which I really like. They've a bunch of little cigars or not, not necessarily even little, uh, but they're a bunch of cigars that each have a specific theme, um, or they're showcasing something very specific. Uh, a lot of them are showcasing wrappers. Um, I know the number one, I think it is. Man, now, now I'm not thinking of the names correctly. Um, but I know they, they've each got a particular tobacco that they're highlighting. Um, so if you haven't checked them out, they're really cool. And they come in these really awesome boxes that uh, when we were in the DR, Dennis was infatuated with. They were, I'm so obsessed. They were just awesome in every way. And like, I just want to line my walls with these boxes they look great and it's a it's a presentation that's been done before many many times but i think they really pull it off well it's um i mean you've probably even seen it because in a few in the last few years i haven't seen them as much um but i know about six or seven years ago they're really big with altatus um but they're books so it looks like a book that you put on your shelf and um i think they just did a really good job of making it look like an actual book like they felt really really good Absolutely. And they, it feels like they put as much detail into the packaging as they did into the cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but that's a lot of thoughts I went into. We'll, we'll have another episode where we'll talk about some short tales, which I think will be fun. Uh, this is blend number seven. Uh, Jean-Michel said it was really easy to name because they had 12 blends that they were kind of deciding between. And they picked this one and were like, well, that's going to be blend number seven because uh, it was the seventh blend. It's got a – this is really interesting um, – it's got a Habano wrapper from Brazil, uh, which he says is very different from all other Brazilian wrappers, which, I mean, obviously it would be because typically we're used to seeing Araparaca or uh, Matafina or something like that. Yeah. And this is actually Habano seed grown in Brazil, which I have another thing to talk about seeds, but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, the binder and all of the Lajeros are from Uncle Leo's Farms in the Dominican Republic uh, from Habano seeds and... Wait, I have to I have to reread this. So the the binder and his his notes are confusing me a little bit. So I know the binder is from is Habano seed from uh, Uncle Leo's farms. Oh, I see. So it's got a binder and Lajeros that are both from Uncle Leo's farms. That's what it is. And then it's also got tobacco from Jalapa and Hamastron. All of those are Habano seeds. So it's got four different Habano. Uh, regions in it, or actually, I guess four different countries of Habano. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so actually really cool. Dominican, Nicaraguan, Brazilian, and Honduran. 
Um, Valley is, if you're not familiar, which is actually right on the other side of the border from the Jalapa Valley. They're almost the same valley. Uh, he calls it a true medium. They get seven months of aging, and he, he claims, I can't speak to this at all, but he claims they're unsmokable before seven months, probably because <laughs> they've got a fair amount of Lajero, um, even though it's it's really a medium-bodied cigar. Uh, you know, Obviously, you've got to put some Lajero in there to give it some, some kick, but I'm guessing that that's just really for the marrying of the tobaccos together. And Jeremy Miller wants to know where, De- where Dennis's hat is. Oh, Dennis, Oh, somebody noticed. Yeah, you know what? I uh, I I kind of got stuck, and I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to get a haircut and uh, no hat today. Nice. Um, and I forgot to ask at the beginning of the show. I was so th- so thrown off by myself saying cigar chat instead of sharing our pairings. How are you doing today, Dennis? I am well, man. I am. Uh, I mean, the rain. We've had some some kind of crappy rain for the last couple of days. It's been cold, really weirdly cold. We had 88 yesterday, and this morning it was like 50 by my house. Well, I know. So. I've, I've got a lot of friends in Connecticut, and I know there was, uh, yesterday, there was like tornadoes and stuff there. Like, yep. Oh, yeah. We're not yeah. going very well for them. It's insane. So much for a spring, I guess. Yeah, it seems crazy. So the uh, so we're smoking the Perfecto of this cigar. I did get the details. Uh, it is a six and a quarter by 54 Perfecto, which is, I, w- I would call it a Salomon. It's really... Um, kind of Salomon shaped other than it's kind of like uh, straight sided, which not some Salomones are, but most aren't. Um, it's also available in a five and a half by 50 Robusto or six and a half by 58 Toro Gordo, which uh, does not sound up my alley. But yeah, it's a bit big for me as well. That's that I like. Um, what do you think of the cigar so far, Dennis? It is a cream bomb, dude. I'm I'm getting tons of this like insanely chewy cream. Uh, the flavor is still kind of subtle. So I call it almost like a nougat type of cream. Yeah, that's but a, it's smoking that's really well. Yeah, I think it's smoking pretty good. Um, I get a little bit of black pepper, uh, like kind of almost more of a baking spice. Like uh, it's not really super. It's not really spicy on your tongue. It's but there's a spice there that you can taste. It's hard to describe. Yeah, it is really subtle. Um, and then it's got like a unique sweetness that I can't identify yet. It reminds me of like a candied nut or something. Hmm. Like it's not ultra sweet, but it's a little bit sweet. And it's got like that creamy and woody kind of body to it. I'm digging it. I'm definitely digging it so far. So we're going to jump into our pairings here. My first pairing comes to me. It's an old favorite. Uh, I've had it on the show several times, like like many times. Um, I mean, several might not even. Look at that lighting. It looks so good. That is liquid gold. Oh. I love that stuff. Oban 14, it's one of my favorite scotches. As I've said before, it's um, it's different from most scotches. It's kind of a mix of the Highlands and the Isla styles, um, and not really not really more of one than the other. It's kind of a mix of the two because it's got a little bit of that medicinal, a little bit of that uh, that smoke, but then it's got that like light fruity sweetness to it as well, which I really like. So it's a there are distillery that are is on the west coast of uh, the Highlands, so the kind of they're considered a coastal Highlands distillery, which is kind of where they get some of their uh, their more Isla style qual- qualities. Um, they were founded in 1974. The the city of Oban, which is where they're, or I guess it's actually a village. It's got 8,500 people in it. The village of Oban is actually was actually founded the same year, but after the distillery was constructed, um, like. Which seems crazy to me. I mean, it was the 1700s, so I don't really know what life was like back then. Um, but they they were just like, well, we need to build a distillery, so why don't we build it out th- over there in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Um, and then they just decided to start building houses, and it became a little a little village. Um, Oban is, I believe, Gaelic is the correct language. I'm trying to remember what the what the language that it is, but it means little bay. Um, and they've actually got an expression of Oban that's a no-age statement called Little Bay that I've heard very good things about, but I've unfortunately never had it. They make 670,000 liters or 177,000 freedom gallons. They only have two stills, and uh, they are owned by Diageo, which is, I mean, they own basically all the distilleries. But, uh, yeah. you know, if they're still only making 670,000 liters a year, uh, they're they're not being pushed by Diageo for production or anything like that. No, definitely not. They're, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still a very small distillery. They've only got like 
four or five expressions max. Uh, I think we only get two of them here. We might get we might get a third one. I think we might get the still the distillers edition here, but I've I've never bought that one. So I'm gonna take a couple sips of my Oban and see what uh, Dennis's first pairing is. I'm kind of excited for my first pairing. Uh, it's a beer that I haven't had in a while, and I really wanted to push myself tonight to do scotch, and I'm gonna hold off because I have some really special stuff. <laughs> well, so, so future as show we'll do earlier in the show. Uh, Next week is our 150th episode. I feel like that might be time for some highfalutin. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I feel like we got to go at least middlefalutin, mid to highfalutin. I have a uh, pretty good idea of what we might even smoke for that. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you have a good idea. We haven't discussed it yet at all, <laughs> but I think we both have an idea. Of what <laughs> so my first pairing is uh, it's got a really cool name. It's a collaboration beer from Stillwater and Hudson Valley out in New York, and it's called Hopvine Bling, which is... It's kind of funny and kind of weird, and it's got this you know funky pink label on there. Baller label. Absolutely baller, right? Really snazzy, us, as us old folks would like to say, snazzy. Um, and it's it's kind of cool. So this is a dry hopped Berliner Weiss with Sauvignon Blanc grapes, and it's like a really kind of strange. I unfortunately I poured it into the wrong kind of glass tonight, so don't kill me on this. But um, it's insanely clear for a yeah, lot of Berliner Weisses that I've seen especially dry hopped because you end up getting some of the haze from all the dry hopping. In this case, pretty clear. Um, the first thing off the nose really punches a lot of that, uh, the grape really just comes out a lot of that citrus and lime, even a little bit of the apple. So uh, I'm going to sip on this and kind of see how it goes. But I, I, I really love this beer and I think it's going to go pretty well. Awesome. Um, man, I, I'm trying to see who it was. Chico Ray agrees with you that Oban is liquid gold. It absolutely is. It's, it's so good. It's just so good and so drinkable, and it's not um, it's not aggressive, but it's got aggressive qualities to it. Um, like I think if you if this was the first scotch you ever had, you might it might be too aggressive. Um, but for somebody who's like had a scotch that's actually like aggressive and kind of challenges your palate, um, it's pretty mild and relaxed. Um, on the nose, there's like citrus and a little bit of smoke and you get just a tiny bit of that like medicinal quality, which um, there's kind of two versions or I guess three versions of medicinal, which are kind of like uh cough syrup or more like hospital smell or band-aids. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is closer to like the hospital smell to me. Like it smells like, uh, I don't know, like it's one of those things that sounds like weird to say, but it sounds like a, like, or it smells like a freshly sanitized room kind of <laughs> like it smells really clean. And then there's a little bit, of, when you taste it, it's like it, it has that quality that I feel like a lot of Highlands have where it's kind of like a dry white wine on the palate. It's like really delicate at first. Um, and then it gets sweet and kind of fruity. Like, let me, let me try to identify some fruit. You know, it's funny. Every time we talk about scotch, it always ends up being like, oh, it's got this weird burnt tire flavor. It, it always sounds so unappetizing to I know. sort of somebody who doesn't know much about scotch, maybe. Um, I completely agree. Uh, but for me, those are the kind of scotches I yeah. gravitate towards. Absolutely. I really like those kind of flavors because they um, they challenge your palate and they make you think, like, what is that that I taste? Um, and somehow I enjoy them. Like, I know some people don't, but I do. So I think the, the fruity note is fig. Like it reminds me of a fig Newton and then it's got a little bit of that like uh, like hard candy sweetness on the mm. middle of the palate or on the yeah, on the middle of the palate I guess. Like not when you first drink it but before the finish. Um and then the finish is like oaky and just a a whisper of peat. I think it's going really well with this cigar actually. How's the cigar smoking for you? I mean, fantastic. It's it has it has dropped its ash a couple times as you can see. Um, but I mean, like the burn is perfect. It tastes good. I'm trying to like identify some more flavors. Yeah. That sweetness is the... pretty hard to pick up for me too. It's there and I can't put my finger on what exactly it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of like a, a little bit of almond, I would call it. Oh, what are those things called? I always forget their name. Those almonds with the, uh, with the, with the stuff on top, the, the hard shell. You know what I'm talking about? Like a, an almond that's in the shell? It's got like a candy shell on the outside. 
I I don't think I've ever they had have them at like baby showers and stuff. I always forget what that are is. these Ukrainian baby showers? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. This is a real thing. Um, I I'm not familiar with this. I, I want to say it's, I think it's an American thing. Um, oh man, I, it's it's gonna bug me. I'll have to figure out what it is. But it's kind of like those. It's like the that almond basically with a little bit of sugar coating on the top, like a hard candy basic sugar thing. I can see that. Because it's like a slightly sweetened almond. That's what it reminds me of. Um, and people are arguing in the comments about, man, tr- try Oban. Um, I mean, the way I describe it is kind of like some of those like medicinal flavors and the PD flavors are less aggress- are, are far less aggressive than they are in an Isla whiskey. Um, Definitely. And Jason Myers says Oban is really good. It's one of the classic malts for a reason. I would call it a classic because it's – it's really in between those two styles. Like, if you like scotch, you're probably gonna like. You're probably gonna find something in Oban to like. That's what makes it so good because it it's really well rounded. It just kind of hits all the bases just a touch. Like some of the bases, it's like skipping over almost, but it's still kind of touching them. Um, oh, they're saying Jordan almonds. I've never Jordan heard of almonds. Me. There you go. Yeah, yeah. How it's have I Jordan... never heard of Jordan almonds? You've never you've never had them. I don't think so. Come on, you're the American between the two of us, I know. technically. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever had a Jordan Almond. But I also, I don't think I've ever okay. been to a baby shower, so maybe that's why. Well, baby showers, Easter, I guess, is a big thing, and like um, other events. I, I've seen them around pretty often. Oh, I'm going to have to look these things up, because I'm, <laughs> I'm completely unfamiliar. Um, and it's time to take our first break. This segment is brought to you by the Cigar Federation store. Um I think they've still got some, but if you haven't gotten any Grumalkins, uh, they're made at Black Label Trading or made by Black Label Trading Company at the uh, Ovea Negra um, for for Emilio, and the original one was unbelievably good. So I've I've got very high expectations for the new one. I got my order in. You can go to cigar store.cigarfederation.com, uh, put your order in. Um, hopefully they still got a couple of five packs. All right, and we're back. Um, smoking the Saga blend number seven. I'm really having a hard time putting my finger on that, on that flavor, but maybe, maybe it tastes like a Jordan almond. And the reason that I'm struggling is because I've never <laughs> because tasted never a Jordan one. almond. I want to see how long I can keep the stash for. Mine has not been doing great. Um, I think it's partially because, uh, one thing, like the worst thing you can do for an ash on a cigar, uh, which I do frequently is let it cool down. Uh, you want to keep that, keep that sucker hot the whole time. Yeah. Well, luckily for me, I smoke like crazy. Yeah, so, and it's been very forgiving, considering how fast I really smoke. It's been really forgiving. I just also picked up on like uh, I'm afraid to say it yet. So let me th- let me see if I still taste it. So I'll tell you what I was getting. I, I've been getting this. Uh, we talked about the sweetness, but I've been getting a lot of cedar too, like a sweeter cedar. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of cedar in. Um, I think I'm getting a little bit of mint. Really? Like just okay. a hint of it, um, and it's kind of right on the tip of my tongue, and it just lasts for a second, and then it just goes away. Um, but we got plenty of time to, to figure out the cigar. So I'm going to move on to my next pairing. Uh, this is one of my favorites. This is a bourbon. This is Eagle Rare, Kentucky oh, yeah. Street bourbon. They got that big old eagle there. Um, eagle Rare is interesting because there are, there are interesting things about Eagle Rare that people don't realize who are just like buying it off the shelf. I'll hold it up one more time there just so we can get a good focus of it. There we go. I was hoping it would do the same thing it did before where it kind Look of darkened the background. It's, it's a classic really cool. bottle. Yeah, it's a nice looking bottle. Um, so Eagle Rare, uh, it is distilled and distributed by Buffalo Trace. Uh, the really interesting thing, it was introduced in 1975, and it was owned by Seagram's, um, which I didn't realize they own that many American distilleries. Uh, but it was distilled in Frankfort, Kentucky, which it still is. Um, originally, it was a 101 proof, non-single-barrel, 10-year Kentucky straight bourbon. In 1989, Sazerac bought it, who owns it now, who owns Buffalo Trace. Um, and it's now, it's now made by, I think, by at the Buffalo Trace distillery or one of their distilleries. Um, so the really interesting thing about it is, well, there's two interesting things because they, so you'll notice here, there's no age statement on there. Uh, but if you look on the back label, where is it? They tell you it's aged 10 years. That's a long time for bourbon. 
And if they're putting the age statement on there, that means it has to be over 10 years. Um, so it's very surprising to me that they don't market it as 10-year. They used to market it as single barrel, but they no longer do, and it's not because it's no longer single barrel. Legally, they're no longer allowed to call it single barrel because uh, they switched from hand bottling to uh, a machine bottling mach- or a machine bottling line in 2005, and uh, that. So what happens? They put single barrels into whatever device fills the bottles, and then once that barrel is done, they put another barrel in. So it's possible for one bottle to contain whiskey from two different barrels because they don't cl- they don't flush the lines in between, um, which you kind of have to do if you're going to call it single barrel. So even though there can be a couple of drops from a different barrel in this, it really is barrel whiskey. They're just not allowed to do that. Um, it's bottled at 90 proof. Um, and I forgot to talk about the Oban, which I believe is 43. Yes. Um, and man, it's, it's just a awesome whiskey. It's apparently, so what I've been reading about it today is I think it's harder to find than I realized because I can, there are several shops in my area where I can just walk in any, any day of the week and buy a bottle of this for 30 bucks, which is an insanely reasonable price for a 10 year old single bottle. Um, but in a lot of places, it's actually allocated where stores will only get a certain number of bottles per year uh, or per release. Um, but here, it's it just sits around. It's not hard to find at all. Like um, You might have to go to two or three shops to find it because not everybody carries it. Um, but the shops that carry it pretty much always have it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple of my delicious Eagle Rare here while you talk about your next. Man, I've, I've seen Eagle Rare for like 55 60 bucks in the city. Wow, that's crazy. Which is insane. But I then think the MSRP have, is like three bucks. Yeah, and and it's crazy. And then you have stuff like Lafroig Ten, which certain places in the city they sell it for something like uh, one hundred and five ninety nine dollars or one hundred and five dollars, which is crazy. Yeah, that's insane. It's, it's good it's stuff. It really is. And that's but, a lot. Like there are a lot of places yeah. in the U.S. where you can get it for under thirty dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me get into my next pairing. Um, I wanted to give these guys another shot after last week was a little bit rough for me. I'm going back to Bolero Snort from New Jersey, and I wanted to give this beer a try. I haven't had it before, and it is called uh, Cyberbullied. Zero IBU Cyberbullied. Another very cool label, especially from them. That one has actually been on the show before. Has Uh, it? Yeah, which makes me worry a little bit for the age. The last time it, it was on the show was about a year ago when Matt had it. Oh, Matt did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Matt really enjoyed this beer, and likely he had it when it was a lot fresher. Unfortunately for me, um, there is no date on it, but I'm pretty sure this is kind of oldish. Um, but this one comes in at 6.9%, so just to go back to my first beer, that came in at 5%. So I'm kind of a little gradual slope, nothing crazy, not like my usual uh, but these guys did a little bit different thing. So zero IBUs, we see this, you know, these days it's very popular, kind of a up-and-coming thing. Everyone wants a, a zero IBU beer. Six mm-hmm. Point is doing a lot of that stuff now. And what that really means is you are doing all your hop additions post-boil. So you're doing just basically aroma and flavor. You're dry hopping. You're adding, in, in the case of this beer, they've actually added um, citra powder, the lupulin powder. Oh, wow. And they dosed it with Amarillo as well. And they just keep chucking stuff at it. You know, insane um, secondary dry hopping on there. And it's supposed to be really kind of uh, very tropical and fruity, and I'm getting some of that. But um, I just think it's the age, man. It's really hard. When you're not bittering at the, at the, at the boil level, um, unfortunately, those beers do have a very short uh, shelf life. Yeah. But Bolero Snort is phenomenal. I have to give them a lot of credit because these guys... For those of you that don't know, they're actually Gypsy Brewing, um, and I believe it's out of Pennsylvania. And I think Gypsy Brewing is awesome. Anybody could put a couple thousand dollars together, go to a brewery, and say, "Hey, can you make me something?" and start your yeah. kind of business that way. And I think it's a really cool concept. Yeah, I think so too. So the Eagle Rare is a little hot on the nose. There's like so much oakiness. It's such an oaky bourbon, and from what I've read. It's presumed to be a low rye mash bill, which I would believe because it's uh, it doesn't have that spice. It's got like candy, candy sweetness and and just barrel, just char and and oak. I think I just party fouled. 
<laughs> oh, you <laughs> ash, did you, your ash fell right in the lap? Oh, man. No, it fell on the table, thankfully, but it, it finally fell off. I it mean, was going pretty well for a while. Um, to, to be honest, that happens to me like uh, <laughs> at least once a day. Uh, it's, per, it's a very frequent occurrence for me. Ash pants. Yeah, all, all of my pants are just covered in ash. <laughs> I've just given up on, on taking care of it. That's uh, okay. It preserves them. So the Eagle Rare's got a little bit of that. Uh, like I feel like the predominant flavors are vanilla, a little bit of cherry sweetness, and then it's got a touch of like that uh, that bitter char note that you get sometimes from like a heavily charred bourbon. Oh, I love that. Really, really love that. And then it's got a long like uh, I guess hard candy finish is what I would call it. The finish is almost like astringent. Hmm. Okay. And Jason Savka says, like, a bright molasses smoky taste. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a, a good, a fair assessment. It's got, like, there's definitely some molasses in here, and you, you really get some of that. Uh, like, it doesn't taste like what you traditionally think of as smoked. It doesn't taste like something that smoked tastes like, I mean, like if you licked a charred barrel, which, I mean, again, that sounds awful. but I would I do it. I'm into it. Yeah, man, this beer, think, what were you saying? Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think it's, it pairs as well as the Oban does. Oh, yeah, I think enough. the heat on the, on the palate's a little much for it. Um, and I think it's just a little, it's a little more intense than the Oban. Yeah, and the cigar, you know, honestly, is very, very much uh, medium. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a strong medium at best. Uh, but it smokes great. It tastes great so far. And for me, it's, it's been burning really well, given my, you know, intense smoking style. Yeah. But I was going to say, my, my beer... Um, it's obvious that yes, it is not necessarily 12 hours ago fresh and some of the flavors have changed. The hop profile has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say it's bad. It's, you know, it's just different. And, um, I'm getting a lot of this sort of sweet lime flavor out of the beer, which is kind of cool. I mean, I think it's a win for me. I would love to have tried this when it was really fresh and just, you know, a couple of days canned and yeah. maybe I'll, I'll keep my out, my eye out for a couple of those, um, I think it's a great beer. Zero IBU two is kind of a cool thing. It's the new hazy, I guess. I, I've never had a actually. I guess I've had one zero IBU beer where they used, uh, but it, it wasn't even hopped. It was uh, like I don't remember what they called them, like pine hearts or something like that. Like they were like oh really the inside of pine cones. Interesting. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a beer that's zero IBU with dry hops. Um, I would. I want to try one like that. I. It, I think you're right. I think it, that's going to be the next hazy. Like hazy is crazy right now. I just. Um. I just found out today that Oma Gang is making a hazy IPA. Oh my cans, god. Which is like, if they're making a hazy in cans, that means everybody's going to do it. And for the fact that they're actually making cans, which is insane. Well, I mean, their canning their canning operation has been coming for a while. Um. And I can see why they would do an IPA first because uh, I don't know how well like a Belgian bottle conditioned beer would do in a can. I think it would change it a lot. Definitely, yeah. It it certainly wouldn't be the same profile for sure. Um, but it's just they're the last brewery I expected to have a hazy IPA. That's nuts. I mean, I think you know what next we're gonna see Anheuser Busch coming out with some hazy stuff. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be the killer for haze, and then. Zero IBU is going to come back, and I feel like, honestly, we're going to see a lot more expressions in the cider and the sour side of the house. Yeah, I, I think those are coming. Um, we get a lot of ton of sours around here now. Uh, I mean, like, uh, where a couple years ago you couldn't find a sour, like the only sour you could find was La Folie series yeah. from New, Bel- New Belgium um, and maybe some, like, European stuff. And there were a couple of specialized breweries, but now in in my area at least, we've got major breweries in the area that have year-round sours that come in cans, um, and they're they're priced and marketed like like they're just going to be your daily beer, which is crazy to me. As of, I mean, it's it's not totally crazy because I buy those, but it's crazy to me because I never thought I would see sours on that kind of level where people were buying it yeah. as a daily beer. It's nuts. It's totally exploding, and you you have a lot of sour blends too coming out. You have a lot of um, a lot of dry hopped sours as well, which is kind of cool. And it's sort of yeah. merging the IPA and the sour side of everything. Yeah, I've had a couple of fantastic sour IPAs. I think that the 
the bitterness of hops and like the fruitiness goes way better with sour okay. than I would have expected it to. As long as it's not something that's like insanely sour, I think hops can actually work really well. Vincenzo, Vincenzo Scarduzio said um, pine needles. I have ha- I have also had beers with pine needles. I know oh, this, yeah. one, this particular one that I'm talking about wasn't pine needles, but I've had a lot of beers with pine needles instead of hops, and I think it works really well um, because hops, one of the primary flavors that you get from hops is is like that piney flavor. You get like that piney, grassy, chlorophyll bitterness, and I think pine needles kind of make that come out even more. Um, I've also had a couple beers that are hopped with piney hops, and then pine needles are added to intensify yeah. those flavors, which I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of that kind of thing. I'm Even Tarragon. Tarragon has, has, I think, in the last couple of years, has really exploded in the homebrew scene, and people are making these crazy beers with Tarragon, and really? it's such a unique flavor, and it's really, if you haven't really had anything, um, you know, go to your local, uh, like, European markets, you know, any Russian store will have something called, uh, it's well, in English, I guess it's called a tarragon soda. It's like I, I super have, green. Yeah, we have a couple of tarragon yeah. sodas locally. And it's, yeah, I think that's a really good way. If you, if you have a sip of a tarragon soda and you hit an IPA, it gives you a good idea of what those taste like. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I'll have to try that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to my last pairing here to talk about that. First, I'm going to pour the rest of it into this glass here. So my final pairing comes to me from Modern Times Beer. I've been talking about them a lot lately. Um, I mean, they make they make a lot of really good beer, but I happened to do a beer run there a couple, like a month ago. Um, actually, I guess it was less than a month ago because of when this was canned. Um, I think they're just doing some really awesome IPAs, and uh, they get experimental with their IPAs. They um, they have a ton of like single run IPAs, and this is one of them. So this is Outside World. From Modern Times Beer. What a nice label! Their labels it's are always such so a cool. Label. I think this one is so good. It's like it's three colors, but they make it so complex and awesome looking. Um, so first, I'll tell you a little bit about Modern Times in case you haven't been been listening. Uh, so they started with a thirty barrel production brewery and tasting room in Point Loma, which is a neighborhood in San Diego, um, in 2013, and it was started by Jacob McKean, who was a former employee of Stone Brewing. Um, who everybody listening is probably familiar with. Uh, Now they have two breweries in San Diego, one brewery in L.A., and this year they opened one in Portland, right here where I live. Um, It's called the Belmont Fermentorium. It's open now, but they're planning on expanding it pretty significantly. Uh, They're basically, basically they moved into an existing brewery. They basically just bought it from them. Um, They're actually leasing the building from the brewery that owns it. Um, but the brewery that owns it shut down. So they're not planning on making more beer. They're just a landlord for modern times now. Um, they moved in there and, and basically set up their own bar and everything like that, kind of redid the place to make it look more like that their kind of style. Um, but they're using the existing brewing equipment. They've also leased out the building next door, uh, and they are planning on building a much larger production facility. They haven't specified exactly how much, um, but they they say it's going to have a capacity of about 20,000 barrels per year of beer, uh, which is, what is it, 33 gallons to a barrel or 31? So. Uh, so that's something that's something like 600,000 gallons of beer. Um, that's a lot of beer. They're planning on they're planning on making a like a full on production facility that's going to basically supply the entire Northwest with their beers, um, and I assume they're going to be starting to open more uh, more distribution during that time. They'll probably be distributing to the East Coast once they've got that going. Uh, it's going to have stuff like a they're going to have a coffee roaster in house because they they did that in their original brewery for uh, I think a couple weeks ago it was that I had Devil's Teeth which had bourbon barrel-aged coffee. So they actually roast that coffee themselves and then barrel-age it. Um, so they're planning on having a coffee roaster. They're going to have a cafe. They're going to have a rooftop patio bar. Um, they're like they're going all out. And so their description of this beer is it's the latest in their, in their spectacularly tasty double IPA series. It's a glorious, juicy, party-stuffed juice. Wait, I misread that. It's a glorious juice party. <laughs> stuffed with ridiculous quantities of Citra, Simcoe, Centennial, and Idaho Number no. Seven hops, 
ready your face for a magical rainbow of tropical citrusy stone fruit laden <laughs> awesomeness. That just sounds good. I, whatever yeah, it is, it, I'll take two. I'm just going to hold that can up again because it's <laughs> so good looking. Like this, I, I didn't even know what the can looked like when I bought it because they do those online sales, but it's like, it's just got such cool colors and it, I think the, their design is top notch. They really like, if I saw this on a shelf at a grocery store, I would just buy it without thinking. So I'm going to take, take a couple sips while you talk about your last pairing there. Oh man, my last pairing. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm uh, struggling a little bit. So Have my you been last pairing, it and it's not working? I've been sipping on it. It's warmed up a little bit and I'm kind of going back and forth. And uh, So my last pairing is an Imperial Stout. And I'll tell you where it's from in a second, but I have this weird sort of thing. Um, it's my personal thing. I don't think anybody else does it, but it, I call it the pancake rule. So if I would enjoy this beer, this imperial stout or stout or whatever, specifically with stouts, uh, if I could enjoy it with pancakes or put it on my pancakes or whatever, if it's like a good like breakfasty type If it would deal, work as a, as a syrup? If it would work as a pairing with pancakes or as a syrup, or a, it's a weird thing, but I feel like... It's 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 funny because a lot of beers, stouts especially that I really enjoy, kind of fit into that. Um, and I do the pancake roll thing, and I say, well, is it would it work with pancakes? Do I like it? Um, let me tell you what it is. It's a local brewery in New Jersey called Cypress Brewing Company, and it is their ossified oatmeal imperial stout, and it comes at nine nine point five percent. So it's pretty, you know, pretty much up there, you know, standard imperial level. Uh, the difference is they actually flavor this with uh, Irish cream flavoring. They actually don't specify what that is. Huh. It's so, one yeah, of those like... So it could be... Yeah, I kind of hate when they do that. Like, what is that? I don't know. Because it, does that mean you're you're using the uh, that stuff they pump into your drink at Starbucks when you order an Irish cream? Or are they putting like Bailey's or something like that? Or are they making Irish cream and putting it in there? I like, mean, is it... So vague. Is it like fresh cream from a cow with a leprechaun pressed into a juice and then added to it? Like, I don't know. could be a lot of different things. But um, I'll show you what it looks like. But obviously, it looks like every other Imperial Stout you can you can see. The only difference I would say for this, um, it's really thin and very effervescent. So too many bubbles. It's kind of like champagne quality. Uh, that does yeah. not sound like my kind of stout. Yeah, for me as well. And that's, you know, going back to this, my, my silly pancake thing um generally with pancakes you know they have a lot of flavor they have a lot of body they're kind of heavy right you want a, a, a beer that will fit well with that and uh generally stouts a lot of stouts are really good for that um that's hence we have our breakfast stouts right yeah. um but the flavor is really strange it's not like uh it doesn't have that bailey's flavor it has this weird like peanut buttery um so here's what I would encourage <laughs> you to try with that. So what I've had some success with, with like those stouts that are just not like viscous, they're just thin and too bubbly. Um, take that bottle, leave the top off and stick it in your fridge until tomorrow afternoon. Really? When you get home from work and see if that helped. Because I feel like a lot of them get overcarbonated, and uh, once they lose some of that carbonation, they get better. Yeah, and I actually, I've had mine sitting out for a while, for over an hour now, um, just for that reason, just to get some of the bubbles yeah. out. Um, and it, you know what? It's not to say that it's a bad stout. As a traditional stout expression, I think it's really nice. And maybe without the flavoring, it would be sort of a, you know, get a couple extra points for me on that regard. I don't know. We'll see. Let's let's let it warm up a little bit uh, and see what happens. All right. So, um, so I'm drinking my my. IPA here. I forgot to hold up the IPA. It's like milkshake colored. I mean that you can you can see the color a little bit like back here. I mean you can't even see it there. It's like I mean it's it looks like an orange milkshake. It's like like this is one of those beers where they don't call it a milkshake IPA, but I feel like it's so creamy that it has to be. It might as well they, be. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be some like milk solids in here. It's super sweet, um, but not in the way like. I, I think we talked about this two weeks ago or so, how the double IPA style used to be ultra hoppy, ultra hoppy, but an ultra malty, like, mash bill, or an ultra malty, I don't even know what to call it, grain bill. Um, and then you end up with, like, this super sweet, syrupy flavor that's also really hoppy. This is the opposite of that, the the complete opposite. 
all of the sweetness is mixed with the hop flavor, so it tastes more like a fruity sweetness um, rather than like that syrupy malty sweetness that you you get from some doubles. Yeah, I mean, that's effectively, that's pretty much like comparing a, a Stone Ruination to maybe like a Lawson's Sip of Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not as bright. You know, the, the malty version is not as bright. Yeah, Vincenzo says residual sugar. Yeah, so this doesn't taste like yeah. the residual sugar that you get from a really, really malty beer. Um, I mean, it it really tastes like there's like peach and mango in here. Um and like almost strawberry. I taste strawberry. It's phenomenal. It's really good. If this wasn't my last can, I would send you one. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'll just keep sipping uh, my Irish I'll, I'll cream buy it next time it stout. comes out. So, I mean, like Dennis said, it's a, it's a phenomenal beer. It does not work with the cigar at all. Not even a little bit. It turns into wow. it turns the cigar into straight up cedar. Nothing but cedar. Um, I got to take a sip of Oban to clear my palate before I get back <laughs> to smoke my cigar. <laughs> You know what? I have the same effect for my Imperial Stout. It's just, I mean, it's really sweet, too. Um, the Bailey's flavor is obviously there, but it's um, a little bit weird, a little bit different. I mean, typical when, when you have these kinds of flavors in beers, you do lose some of that original quality. Uh, the fermentation, the barreling, the aging, the bottling even, it does have an effect on the ultimate flavor. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, this is the same thing. I think it's taking away from the cigar because the cigar itself is really kind of mild. It it really needs something a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Kirshner wants to know, which one is better, pancakes or waffles? Well, that's a good question because, see, you can stack both, but waffles you can stack higher because they have the ridges, and you can stack yeah. things between the ridges. I mean, that's true. Oh. So so do you say waffles? I'm going for waffles. I say waffles speaking. because... Uh, because liege waffles exist. Have you ever had a liege oh waffle? Oh, my God. Yes, I have. Oh, Absolutely. my. They're phenomenal. Word. Ooh. If you've never heard of a liege waffle, it's a French style where they kind of use a Belgian waffle batter. Um, so you get like that, that more puffy kind of waffle text, um, not like the neon yellow Eggos. Um, but they put pearl <laughs> sugar in there. So you get these like... You get little – so basically the way that you do a liege waffle, you, so you, you mix this I, – I think it's called pearl sugar. It's a type of sugar that ends up clumping together. Um, you mix it up, you make your batter, and then you let it sit for like three days in the fridge. And what happens is the sugars uh, like form pockets. So there's little lumps of sugar in there. And then when you put, put it in the waffle iron and cook it, uh, they use Belgian waffle iron. So you end up like with those really thin uh, ridges. And anywhere that there's a little sugar, it like caramelizes and turns into like this crunchy, delici- delicious caramel. Um, it's I mean, wonderful. There's, there's it's nothing, pure magic. Like, nothing stands up to liege waffles. My uh, thing. I mean, pancakes are good, but pancakes are good, and and for me as well. You know, they're okay. I'm a waffle guy, um, but dude, a liege waffle with a goose any day, any time. Always love that pairing. It's just phenomenal. Uh, Jason Savka says, where can we get these in Alberta? Where can you get what? Are you talking about the beer or the waffles or the cigars? Let me know <laughs> yeah. it and we'll answer you <laughs> as best we can, at least. How do you think the cigar is shaping up, Dennis? I really like that it hasn't, um, I, I mean, at, at this point I'm pretty far in, right? Getting toward the end. It hasn't really changed much. It stayed really consistent for me and the flavor Ultimately, I'm getting more of a warm kind of cedar flavor to it, but it's still really good. I I, I think it's great. Definitely uh, medium, Jason, though. Jason Savka, he wants to know about the beer. Um, so I'm Thank guessing you. you're talking about my beer, the outside worlds from modern times. I They do a little bit of distribution up to Alberta because um, I know John, the cigar surgeon, McTavish, can get some of their beers. Um, as far as I know, they haven't widely released any of their hazy beers. I believe what they're doing is they're brewing at production quantities and then they basically just do one release at a time. So this was a single this was a single uh production release. So they do that a lot. Now that now that they've got a brewery in my area, I can take advantage of that. But what they basically do is they set up a they add it as an item in their online store 10 a.m. on Saturday. They open up sales about 3 weeks later. You go there and you pick up your beer. Um, 
the feeling I get is that they're narrowing in on what they want their hazy recipe before they before they go wide with them. I know you can get some of their stuff around there, but I'm not sure uh, which particular beers. I, I know you can't get this one, unfortunately, um, because again, this was this was a single release, but. I'm guessing if it does well enough, we'll see more of it and maybe eventually it'll become regular production, but they're really weird. They do a lot of these little releases. Like I think one of them was under a thousand cans of something, which is like for a brewery. That's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, that's like making a hundred boxes of cigars. Like basically nobody's going to get a chance to buy it. It's really just not very much. And especially when they have a limit of like 16 cans per person. And some of them, they have no limit. So people just buy cases of it. Um, but I mean, for people like me, it's taken me a month to drink four of these. So <laughs> yeah, so I was telling, uh, I was telling Dennis the other week that since I started working out, I like, I just don't have as much room for beer because I'm like busy eating uh, protein shakes and crap like that. It fills and, you up. Yeah. And I just don't end up drinking as much beer, which is kind of unfortunate. I drink more whiskey, which I guess is... Um, a pretty good trade-off for me. I, I like whiskey as much as I like beer, but I end up buying beer and it sits in my fridge until I can feature it on the episode. Um, everybody agrees with waffles. Waffles. Yeah. Everybody loves You know, you have ridges. You, have, you can put stuff in there. You can stack them. You can... Man, one of the things I loved when I was a kid eating waffles was like when you... when I, I would fill up an entire waffle with butter and then oh, yeah. stack my waffles on top of that. So when yeah. you cut it, there's just butter everywhere. Oh, it was awesome. Um, but it's time to take our final break. We're going to be talking about Drew Estate. Um, they good. Um, I got a little care package from Drew Estate today. So uh, they, they've started doing an interesting program for the bloggers and uh, media folks where they send a couple packs of cigars, and they always have like a theme. Um, so this month the theme was uh, FSG, I assume because the, uh, the Florida Barn Smoker is coming up this coming weekend, I believe. Yeah. yeah this coming weekend um included in that which dennis i'll send you i'll send you a little bit they have a little tiny bottle that's full of oh boy the corojo seeds they use on the farm and jeff has challenged everybody they're sending these to to grow their own tobacco and tell him how it turned out at the ipcpr <laughs> so this week oh, i'm gonna be planting a little bit of tobacco which i'm really excited about um i i think that's a a really cool very tiny addition like that's very I would have nice. been happy if they didn't even send me any cigars. And it's like eight worth of seeds for them, probably. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to be planting those probably this week, and I'll, I'll let you guys know how they come along in the, in the coming months. So typically, tobacco takes about, I think it's about 60 days to mature. It might be 90 days to mature fully. Um, but in like... Right after IPCPR, I should have tobacco that's ready to cure in my garage. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do any in your of your barn. Stuff clearly, growing. Yeah, exactly. All I have to do is get another like 800 pounds of it so that I can cure it in a barn and then ferment it. Um, I feel like curing is actually kind of the easy part of that, even though it's actually pretty difficult. Um, but it's a lot easier than fermenting like an eighth of a pound of tobacco. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I would agree. Um, man, I just took another sip of that beer. I was, I was getting excited talking about it. And now, now I'm regretting it because it just goes so badly with the cigar. Um, the cigar just doesn't, doesn't go well at all with it. Oh, my God. I think Evan Kirshner just changed my life. He what says say? making brownies in a waffle maker is amazing. <clears throat> yes. I've never tried that. I've I don't even know waffle iron. Um, but I might need to go to Goodwill and try to buy one so that I can make a... Uh, so I can make some brownie waffles because that sounds incredible. Oh, man. You can make – dude, you get a waffle iron. You can make waffles, brownies, cookies. Uh, you can make tacos. You can make uh, eggs for breakfast. Like Whatever you want, throw it in there, press it down, make it happen. It'll work, guaranteed. All right. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I can, how I can discount that because that all sounds very good. I have heard of making uh, bacon in a waffle iron. I've yeah. heard that out pretty I've never good. tried it. People, a lot of people do it. Um, what, from what I've heard, basically the uh, the the grease fills up all those little cracks, so you end up not having like issues with grease getting everywhere. Um, but you also end up cooking both sides at the same time. Yep. 
How's the cigar so far? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's um, the retro hail is spicier than than I would have thought. I'm just noticing that I haven't been retrohaling that much. I noticed right as we got to the second third, I remember retrohaling, and I meant to talk about it, but I forgot. Um, the retrohale has got a lot of pepper in it. It does, especially a lot the more than the you get on the palate. Especially for like a, I mean, this really is. I mean, it's inching its way up to like medium full now. At this point, um, I mean, I'm I'm into the final third now. Oh, you still got a way to go. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty You're much. It. Yeah, just about done. Um, I, I really dig this cigar. It's, it's got like a, like the way that I would sum it up is a complex cedar with a little bit of spice. Um, a little bit of like, like we talked about Jordan almond sweetness, I guess, like, uh, sugar and almonds in, in some form or another is one of the primary components in this for me. You know, thinking about it now, especially now that I'm basically almost done with the cigar, I'm getting a lot of sea salt, and I, I had that at the beginning, and I kind of didn't really think about it. Um, mm. There is some sea salt, some kind of salty thing going on with it, which I think is really cool and works really well for the cigar. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely some salt in this. It's got a, a saltier character than I was thinking it did. That was one of those things where you don't think about it until somebody mentions it. And Jason Myers says, put a bunch of tater tots in a waffle. Oh, dude. Make tater, tater tots, tot hosh browns. Yes. Any day. That, is that sounds awesome. delicious. Man, I need a waffle iron. I don't have a waffle iron. I need one now. You can make all your meals in a waffle iron. Salad, <laughs> soup, whatever. Throw it in, man. Make it happen. <laughs> Just toss it in the waffle iron. It's like a... Oh, I was going to say it's like a George Foreman grill, but it kind of is a George Foreman grill. Yeah, just about. I'm going to go back through my whiskey pairings here because I want to figure out which one's better. I'm, I'm thinking it's probably the Oban. Um, I mean, l- like I said, if you, ha- if you haven't tried Oban, it's worth the, like, I don't know, between 14 and $16 that you're going to pay for a glass. Um, I think it costs around 85 90 bucks a bottle around here. Um, so it's it's on the pricier side. But if you haven't tried it, and you're going out to a bar that has it, I think it's worth paying 15 or 16 bucks for a glass so you can try it because it it really is a fantastic, fantastic scotch. Because I think it, it kind of melds together all those different styles from Scotland and ends up uh, just working really well together. I think I have my figure final out pairing exactly for the what, night. what the flavors are in the cigar. Uh, what's your pairing of the night? I'm going to go back to my, my first beer, which was the Berliner Weiss with uh, Sauvignon Blanc grapes the hop vine bling it's got just enough bite and it's especially very light even at you know five percent it's really light and it doesn't take away from the cigar and compared to the other two beers that i had definitely it's my winner for the night um i just went back to my eagle rare for me oban is the winner of the night i feel like oban is one of those no-brainer pairings where just about everything is going to pair pretty well with it yeah Um, it's so well-rounded that Anything that pairs even decently with scotch is going to pair really well with it. Oban is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I love it. And it, it's one of those whiskeys that, for me, I keep a, a bottle of it on hand all the time. Um, I'm never, like, Oban and Laphroaig are my two go-to scotches. And um, I just love them because they're so different. They're they're both a little bit peaty. Uh, obvi- obviously, Laphroaig is a lot peatier. Um but they're both just so in my wheelhouse, but different, completely different styles. Any other closing comments before we close out the show? Anything else to say about the saga? I love it, man. I really do. I, I, it's a good everyday for me. It's a good everyday smoke. Yeah, and I, I should mention uh, the price point of these. Let me pull that up for everybody. I don't know if I – I don't think I have it in my notes, actually. Uh, oh, the price point of these, which is uh, not so bad, is seven fifty. I think that's a very reasonable price for these. These Super are a great reasonable. cigar at seven fifty. Um, so yeah, go out and try yourself a Saga Blend Number Seven. Um, it's just a really solid medium body cigar. Like uh, I think even if mostly, even if you mostly smoke high priming, like strong, uh, spicy, earthy cigars, I think you're going to find something in this that that you'll really enjoy. So go out and try yourself a Saga. Uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate everybody. I forgot to mention at the top of the show that we're broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. So thank you to all of our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. We know you guys are out there doing things we're not built to do. 
Um, and of course, thank you to all of our live viewers watching on Facebook, dropping us comments, giving us the likes. Uh, we appreciate you guys and we love answering your questions. Uh, and we just like engaging with you. Like when you, when you get to talk to you guys, it's fun. Um, and thank you to everybody listening on, or watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast. And remember here at sharing our pairings, we want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less. And let people ask some questions. Right. Let's let's talk right. about we're waffles gonna, and shit. If anybody's still watching, we decided we're going to do an after dark segment. I know most of you probably closed the window already, but we decided we're still going to go. Um, so next week we've got. Uh, I forgot to mention this during the show. Next week we've got uh, Juan and Bill from Protocol Cigars, or sorry, from Cubaracano Cigars, who who does all of the Protocol Cigars. Um, they're going to be on the show. We're I'm very excited to have them on. They're super fun guys to hang out with. Um, and I think it'll just be a really fun show. I do have uh, our guest from tomorrow night dropped out. But in trying to find a guest for tomorrow, I didn't find anybody for tomorrow. So we're probably going to do a news of the week. Um, but we did find a somebody who wants to be on next Wednesday. So I think we're actually going to do sharing our pairings later. And then Dennis will co-host uh, Cigar Chat number one next week. And then Jason will will co-host Cigar Chat number two, which should be fun. Um, we'll see if that works out. Sounds good. Can we reveal the host? I, I don't want to reveal oh, the guest, I should say. Yeah, I don't want to reveal the guest yet because uh, they haven't confirmed that they can come on next okay. week. Um, they specifically asked about it, if, if we could do it. But I don't like mentioning who it is before I confirm. No, no, fair enough. Secret sauce. It's good. Yeah, secret sauce. Build that, build that suspense, man. Put some tension in the air. I like it. Uh, I, I assume they'll, I'll probably hear back by tomorrow, um, so I'll be able to to post it on the Facebooks. But uh, yeah, uh, either either way, next week's going to be a fun week. So either way, we're going to have our 150th episode of sharing our pairings, which is crazy. Um, I'm trying to remember the first episode I did was like in the 80s. Yeah, I feel like 82 or 83. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's, it's cool that we've been, that we've been doing the show that long. Um, you know, I, I got past the torch a while ago and I'm, I'm happy to carry it on and I'm proud of what we, what we've been doing. Jeremy Miller says, Kubarakeno. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's the way we refer to those guys. I think that's going to be a really fun show. Um, I'm really excited. I'm hoping that I can get some of their new cigars in by, by the time the show goes live, um, I don't know if they'll make it here in time, um, but I'm really excited to try the, what's the name of the new one? The Official Misconduct, which, I mean, first of all, it's just a great name. I love the names of their cigars, but I think that's going to be a really fun cigar. I think I think that's going to be good. What else we got going on, Dennis? I see you looking all around. I'm just curious. Oh, so I have my giant screen right in front of my face and, and um. I'm sharing my, so I'm running this off of my laptop and I'm sharing or extending my screen over to this TV that I have in front of me, uh, which is way too big for this table and way too close. So I look like an idiot <laughs> when I'm looking at stuff. Um, but I was just thinking about something. Uh, do you remember the Herrera Stilly Miami? Of course. I really, really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, and, but then I thought, you know what? I need to stock back up on, on some of those. Just the regular Herrera Silly. I actually, um, I did a little bit of stocking up on Drew Estate last week. So uh, as people who watched last week might know, um, we didn't have uh, Cigar Chat last week because there was an event with Fabian and we went to hang out with, with Fabian at his event. And, uh, you know, I stocked up on a couple of Drew Estate cigars. Um, I'm really excited that if you've been to a Drew Estate event within the last year and a half, maybe two years, um, you know that if you go in and you make a purchase and show them that you have the Drew State app or the Drew Diplomat app, rather, you get a couple of free cigars, maybe one, maybe two. Um, so this time it was a T52 Corona. Oh, all right. Uh, and the, uh, oh, I don't remember the name of it. It's the new Hoy de Nicaragua with the blue label. I don't, I think it's based on the Classico blend, but it's like a long sale. Uh, yes. I can't um, remember the name. I know exactly I, I, what you're I talking think about. it's called the 50th anniversary. Um, it might be, actually. And I believe it's based on the Classico, but I'm not sure. But I'm really excited to try both of those. I'm going to try to review both of those, possibly a group review with Jason or something like that. Um, 
And then, you know, I just bought a couple of my, my old standbys. Some Uncrowned, I smoked one of those today. I, I just oh, love yeah. That. A couple of Uncrowned Corona Vivas. Um, some good stuff. I love that sun grown, man. It's insane. It's so good. And I, I'm sure we'll talk about it because we're going to do a News of the Week episode tomorrow. Um, but Fabian gave us a peek behind the curtain about how they do acid, man. I, I, really? I'm afraid to talk about it on, on like, live uh, on video. But, uh, like, he explained part of the process to us, which was very surprising. And it's, Interesting. it's not surprising that he would tell us anything. It's surprising because uh, our other people at Drew Estate, when you ask about how acids are made, they're like, hmm. Yeah, they're very. And they change. Willy Wonka. Like, yeah, they don't want to tell you a single word. Um, But he basically told us a bunch of stuff. And then I said, Are you the only one who's allowed to talk about that? And he said, I'm the only one who cares about it enough to ask. I'm the only one who knows how it's done because I'm the only one who cares. I've never seen the rooms, but, you know, he he knows how it's done. And he, he did confirm that the rooms are hiding in plain sight, which. I'm not too surprised by, but I can't find where the hell that room is. Dude, I've, we've been, both of us have been there so many times. I've never, I've looked for it every single time. Never seen it. Yeah, me too. It's like every, every time we go there. Wonka level. Yeah, it's, it's hidden. It's like, I don't know. I was going to say underground, but it can't be underground. Um, Gerard Shelley says he was at a Drew Estate event two years ago with Fabian. He found out he got evacuated from his city because of wildfires um, and was limited on what he could he could do, and Fabian set him up, dude. That's the kind of guy Fabian nice. is. Fabian's just an yeah. awesome dude. Um, I like I'll tell him. I I just acids just don't get along with me for the most part. There are a couple of them that I that I think are pretty good that I like, um, but for the most part they just don't agree with me. But I love Fabian. He's just an awesome guy. Man, I'm I'm still trying to decipher this cigar, um, and I wanted to point out a really interesting thing that I forgot during the show. So you can see here, if the video is clear enough, you can see that the word Saga is printed in kind of brown. Um, on a couple of their cigars, I think it's only the, the ones that are in the Golden Blend series, they actually have that punched out. So it's like yes. a, yeah. um, you actually see the tobacco through the logo, which is really cool. Um, and I kind of like that they limited it to just their like their top line. That's a nice touch. I think so. And Vincenzo says that's a lot of liquor but I'm not sure what exactly he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about what's in my glass, but I mean, I probably it have looks like a lot in there. Um, I guess it could look like a lot. Cause if you don't know how small these glasses are, they're pretty tiny. Also, if, as I learned with the gin show that we did, you really have to figure out how to pour it just the right way because you can over pour very easily. Absolutely. It's, um, it's very easy. So like the, the marker for these glasses is the widest point, which is like right here. Um, and if you pour past that, it's easy to go. Bloop, 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 bloop. Oh, he's talking about 150 shows. Yeah. I mean, like we say, we're, we're yeah. professional, we're professional drinkers. Uh, we do it so you don't have to. That's right. We're making the sacrifices daily. Yeah, exactly. Cause um, remember, you know, before every show, there has to be some testing. You have to, you know, see well, what's good, what's not. I mean, I mean, sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't do that much testing. Um, I like to play it fast and loose. I, for me, that makes it more fun for me because then I'm not going in saying, well, this is going to pair well, this is going to pair okay, this is going to pair terribly. I like to go in with, I don't know which one of these is going to pair well. I think, like, like the Oban, I had a good idea that the Oban was going to go well with it. Um, but I had no idea how well the Eagle Rare in the outside world did. Yeah, your dog's barking. Um, which I'll, I'll talk about dogs in a second, actually. Um, I, I had no idea how well this would go with an IPA. I've never smoked this cigar with an IPA. The only time I've smoked this cigar previously was in the DR, um, where the only beer available is Presidente. Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes it's a little easier to gauge how something's going to pair, but it's it's it can be pretty hard to say like to smoke something and say, this would pair well with this and this. Um, I mean, you Very can say tough. generally, but it's hard to, hard to specifically say that. Um, and I wasn't sure how the IPA would turn out and it turned out just garbage, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about like, it's, it's crazy to me that we got to 150. I was typing in the number of the show today and I was like 149. Wow. Um, so tomorrow or uh, next week, rather, we're going to have a 
a little special episode. Uh, it may start a little bit late, uh, depending on whether or not we have a guest beforehand. So talking about dogs. So uh, some dogs wandered into my yard this morning, mm. and we cannot figure out who the owner is. We've been trolling Craigslist, and we've talked to like animal control and stuff, and nobody's called, which is crazy. Um, and we may have a new dog, which is interesting. Okay. Uh, we actually, there were three dogs and the oldest one, which we think was the mother, like just ran away and ended up in a different neighborhood and we couldn't find her after that. Um, but the two younger ones were splitting up with our, our neighbor. So she's taking one and we're taking the other. So I think I might have a new dog. Hey, now. why I'm, not? I'm kind of like, part of me is like, yes, I have a new dog. But part of me is like, I really hope we find the owner. Like um, my feeling, they're, they're about four months old. And, uh, they're just not potty trained at all. They're not housebroken <laughs> whatsoever. Like this morning they were just peeing all over the place. Um, and it's, which makes me wonder if they've been like living in the woods. Cause there's com- some construction going on across the street where they've like, they basically knocked down an old, uh, like, uh, decommissioned golf course. And I'm wondering if they've been living over there in the woods for like well, months. Yeah. And I mean, but, you know, so part of me is like, you know, if if it's just a, a wild dog, I'll take care of it. But if it's somebody's dog, I don't want to take somebody's dog, man. Like, I want to find the person who do- owns this yeah. dog. Yeah. If there is one, um, I'd rather take it than send it to an animal shelter and, you know, have have things not end well for it. Vincenzo wants to know if in the DR we've ever had an iceberg, <laughs> half Presidente, half frozen margarita. I've. Never had a frozen margarita. In no, the no, definitely not for me either. Um, I just don't drink a lot of frozen margaritas, but that does sound pretty good. <laughs> I'd probably go for one. I, I could drink that. All right, I've had a getting... few like frozen Corona margaritas, but that's about it. I've never had that either. I don't, I don't, I'm just not into frozen margaritas. Evan wants to know what kind of dog. It's a German Shepherd. Um, we found three German Shepherds this morning and one of them, one, one ran away and like, you know, we couldn't find it after that. So I'm hoping it's okay. But the other two haven't been claimed yet. So we're holding on to them either until somebody claims them or until they're legally ours after like a month. Um, but again, I don't want to take somebody's dog. Yeah. Like, I would feel terrible about that. So we're doing everything we can to find the owner. We've got an extra dog to take for better or for worse. I guess, I guess my main feeling is if I'm spending money taking care of the dog, I'd rather keep it than spend money and then have it just disappear. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm more worried about the dog than I am about whether I'm keeping it or not. All right. Anything else to say before we, before we close out the after dark segment? Cause I'm out of, I'm out of things to talk about. Good show. I'm excited for next week. 150, man. Yeah. It's crazy. It's cool. I'm pumped about it. All right, guys. Thanks for, thanks for watching the after dark segment. We, we kind of decided last minute that we were going to do after dark. <laughs> you know, that's how we do it sometimes. So thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next week.